Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. (laughs) Who needs sleep anyway? Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 5. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. In tonight's episode, dedicated to the very talented Christopher Maxim, I'll be performing four stories for you, all of them from Chris's catalog of fearsome fiction, about unexpected entrances, villainous voices, creepy cults, and sinister secrets. Today, I'm asking for your help, if you're able to offer it, on behalf of tonight's talented featured author. Regrettably, Chris is being hard hit both financially and physically by the coronavirus pandemic. He suffers from a high-risk health condition that's left him immunocompromised and quarantined indefinitely. Coupled with serious issues collecting unemployment, Chris has found it difficult to make ends meet, let alone afford the treatment he needs to improve his health. So, I'd like to ask you a simple favor. If you're able to help in any way, 
whether by donating to him directly or by purchasing his books on Amazon.com, it would mean a lot. We've set up an author profile for Chris on our website at simplyscarypodcast.com slash maxim, spelled M-A-X-I-M. On that page, you'll find links to Chris's Amazon page, as well as an assortment of his featured books. You'll also find a donation link that will allow you to show your appreciation for his bone-chilling fiction by contributing a few dollars to him directly. Just look for the donation link to his social media links at the top of the page. You can also use the page to contact Chris if you'd like to ask about other ways to help. From Chris, me, and everyone on our team, thank you for your support of indie horror and of our talented writers in their time of need. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two terrifying tales. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. This show is about to begin. <laughs> Our first tale tonight from Christopher Maxim concerns a man who gets more than he bargained for when he finds a door in his basement that leads directly to his attic. Without further ado, I present to you the attic in the basement. Quite down back there. I yelled whilst driving down an all-too-familiar road. My best friend and his girlfriend wouldn't stop laughing loudly with each other, much like young couples do. I almost regretted bringing them, but I really didn't want to go alone. And inviting one of those two lovebirds meant inviting the pair. They were a package deal. Lucky for me, the tortuous sound of laughter would soon cease as we were approaching our destination. We're here, I stated, less to point out our arrival and more to shut the two of them up. I just wanted some peace and quiet so I could think clearly. I wasn't exactly mentally prepared for what needed to be done. My aunt's old house was just as I remembered it. A rickety old cottage down a dead-end road in the middle of nowhere, complete with woods, wildlife, and the welcoming smell of roses that she often planted near the stone walkway. That was when it finally hit me. While traversing that very walkway, smelling those very roses, I stopped dead in my tracks, tears welling up in my eyes. Are you okay? My friend's girlfriend asked. Yes, I'm fine. I just need a second. They looked concerned, but ununderstood. What else would they expect of me, coming back to my aunt's house right after she died? Honestly, it felt a little weird. I may have been her favorite nephew, but after leaving me everything in her will, it seemed wrong to go out there so soon. The service was held just a day prior. I knew everything she had wasn't much, and 
I knew I wasn't really there to collect my inheritance, but I still felt bad. And at this moment, I felt even worse. The memories I had of her were being dredged up with every step I took toward the front door. I hadn't seen her since I was ten years old, but I could play every memory in my head like a movie. I was very close to her in those days. She might as well have been my mom. My actual mother cared for me, but she wasn't loving in the way that my aunt was. I remember visiting her after school and being greeted with some cliché milk and cookies. Instead of watching television like a normal kid, she didn't own one, I would listen to my aunt play piano for hours on end. We would sometimes go bird-watching or work in the garden, things that I have not done or even thought of doing since. These are some of my most treasured memories, and, like treasure, I kept them locked up and hidden away for many years, until now. As I approached the door to the cottage, I stopped in my tracks once more. Seriously, are you okay? My friend asked this time, seeming very concerned. He'd never seen me like this before. I'm fine. Why don't you two take that hike you were talking about? I'll go on in and take a look around. You guys can meet me back at the car later. If you say so. The two of them took off down a trail in the woods, and I was left standing there, looking at the house that I'd not seen in many years. The feeling that overcame me was so strange, it's hard to put into words. It was more than grief, greater than sadness. I guess the best way to say it is that I missed her. It's funny. If she could see me now, she probably wouldn't recognize me. I'm tall, bearded, and wear glasses, almost the polar opposite of my appearance as a child. Thinking of this just made me sadder. She would never get to see the man I had become. With one last sigh of emotion, I marched on and reached for the handle on the front door. My aunt didn't have locks on her doors or windows. The house was constructed so long ago that it wasn't even built with them. She could have had some installed, but she didn't feel she needed them out in the middle of nowhere. She brought it up one of the first times I stayed there, saying, Trust the world and it will set you free. When I was a kid, hearing her say this made me feel safe somehow. Being fully grown and recalling this statement now, I find it very peculiar. But then again, that was my aunt for you. Unpretentious and oblivious to the rest of the world around her. Honestly, I miss that part of her most. All of those memories come back to me piece by piece as I pulled the door open. The bittersweet release I felt was interrupted when I saw the inside of the cottage. Everything, and I mean everything, was exactly in its place. It was like I was a kid again, coming over after school to enjoy my aunt's company. My memories were projected right in front of me like a nostalgic outburst of energy. I could see my aunt sitting at the piano, playing as she often would, I could see me sitting there, eating some homemade cookies, 
listening intently to the music. I could see her again, cooking dinner in the kitchen, as I sat on the couch reading one of her old books. I walked past these living recollections and went upstairs to see more. I stopped quickly when I reached the top of the staircase. I realized that it only led to the attic. I still had no interest in it, remembering that my aunt used it for storage, so I traveled back downstairs. I didn't know what I was looking for, exactly. Maybe just a little peace of mind to put my heart at ease. Maybe just something that would let me know, without a doubt, that my aunt passed away peacefully. In truth, I felt an immense amount of guilt being in that house again. Almost too much to bear. When I was just shy of 11 years old, my parents moved out of state. This is when I stopped seeing my aunt. I kind of lost touch, especially seeing as she didn't have any real means of communications out there. No phone, no computer. She didn't even have a mailbox, and the nearest post office was over 20 miles away. Being older now, I could have easily paid her a visit, and I am sure she would have loved to have seen me. I guess I just thought she would always be there. Unfortunately, she had a heart attack, and with no hospital or neighbors for miles, death came knocking on her unlocked door in a hasty fashion. At the very least, this visit had put the fleeting quality of life into perspective for me. At this point, I figured it was the only thing that I would end up taking away from the place. As I made my way down the stairs and back into the living room, I noticed something. I was in such a hurry to escape my corporal memories that I didn't notice it before. It was the desk, the desk where my aunt would sit and write for hours at a time. She said that it helped her experience the world outside of her cottage by writing about how she imagined and wanted it to be. The more I remembered my aunt, the more I could see how isolated and somewhat unstable she really was. She was odd, but I loved her just the same, even now. What I hadn't noticed upon entering the house was that the desk drawer was open. I looked inside and found a single sheet of paper with my aunt's handwriting on it. This is what it said. To my dearest nephew, if you are reading this, then the cold tides of death have swept me away once and for all. I know that we have not seen each other since you were a child, but I hope you still think fondly back on our time together. I was happy to look after you, and I know that you were very happy to spend time with me. I don't want you to be sad or feel off-put about my death in any way. This is how it is, and in turn how it was meant to be. I will always hold you dear in my heart, and I hope you'll do the same for me. I want you to live freely despite this, and enjoy each and every moment of your life just as I did mine. I will see you again someday, and I look forward to it. Trust the world, and it will set you free. I shed a single tear reading this passage, knowing that my aunt wanted me to find peace in this old house. 
The very closure I was looking for was in her desk the whole time. The elation I felt almost distracted me from the postscript at the bottom of the page. P.S. Don't go in the basement. How peculiar. What was down there? Was my aunt hiding something? If so, what was it? Curious as ever, I walked over to the basement door with the letter in hand, knowing that the answers were down there. I took one last look at the warning. Don't go in the basement. It was most likely the ramblings of an unstable woman on the verge of death, but what could be the real meaning behind it? Why the basement? Why me? I could recall the basement from when I was younger, but I didn't remember much. I'd only been down there once. My aunt was outside gardening while I was inside reading one of her books. I grew tired of reading and set the book down on her desk. Soon after, I began wandering around the house out of boredom. I walked around the entire cottage rather quickly. Eventually, I came upon the basement, somewhere I had never played before. Knowing my aunt wouldn't be in for a while, I decided to venture on. I turned the knob and swung the door open. I could only see the top of the stairs descending down into darkness. Despite the bit of fear rattling in my chest, I pressed on. Once down there, my field of vision was filled with pitch blackness. This caused me to scramble about, looking for a light switch. After a few moments, I bumped into a string dangling from the ceiling in the middle of the room. Upon pulling it, the room lit up, however dimly, and what I saw disappointed me. It was a typical basement, but smaller, with concrete walls, a concrete floor, and some pieces of wood sitting off in the corner. Probably some old floorboards left over from the house's construction. When you're a kid, there's a little bit of mystery and adventure injected into everything you do. This adventure ended on a flat note, leading me to an unused space lost to the depths of the house. The next thing I remember was my aunt's voice as she came down the stairs yelling, You can't be down here! She sounded more worried than angry, probably scared I would somehow hurt myself down there. There was more to this memory, but that was all I could recall while standing in front of the basement door. I turned the knob and swung the door open, revealing only the top of the stairs in the basement below, completely void of light. Instead of feeling adventurous like I did as a child, I now felt nervous, repeating the words my aunt had left for me over and over in my head, and then asking myself once more, why? I crept down the stairs slowly, so as not to shake the foundation. That's what I told myself, but I guess my sluggish pace was largely on account of the fact that I was frightened at what I might find when I reached the bottom. Growing impatient and uncomfortably anxious, I picked up the pace a bit. I felt the concrete floor below my feet, and I rapidly darted toward the center of the room, reaching for the light, praying that it still worked. I felt around for the string and then pulled it. To my delight, it still harbored electricity. 
The room became dimly lit. In a panicky state, I spun around, looking every which way as I did. What I saw surprised me. There was nothing there. It was just how I left it when I was a kid. Even the old floorboards were there, still untouched. I felt relieved, but far more confused than before. Why didn't my aunt want me to go down there? I pondered for a bit and figured that maybe there was asbestos or mold in the cellar walls. This would explain why she didn't want me playing in there as a kid and why she didn't want me there as an adult either. She just wanted to keep me safe like she always did. This made me feel better, but deep down, I knew there was more behind my aunt's plea. As I made my way over to the stairs, something gave me pause. Memories were coming back to me. I could recall being in the basement when I was younger, but there was something different about it. Different than how it looked now. There was a door. A door that led straight to the attic. How could I have forgotten it was all so clear to me now. I remember finding a door down there and entering the attic. I knew that it was the attic because I peered out the window and saw my aunt gardening two stories below. I waved to her, but she was too busy to notice me. I found it odd at the time that I was able to travel directly from the basement to the attic without so much as climbing a single step, but I brushed it off. After all, I was only ten and I had no interest and getting caught up in the semantics of how a house was built. Being older, this strange memory was perplexing. How could the basement lead to the attic? It isn't even remotely possible. I tried to call on some more memories, but the details of that day were still fuzzy. I tried convincing myself that it was a dream I was recalling. How could it have been anything else? It was nonsense, right? There's no way it really happened. Somewhat comfortable with this hypothesis, I continued to the stairs, but not before giving the basement another once-over. What I saw eliminated all doubt from my mind. There, in the middle of the far-left wall of the basement, was the door from my memory. I squinted and rubbed my eyes, keeping them closed for a good few seconds before opening them again. When I did, the door was still there, as tangible and existent as ever. This couldn't be. It just couldn't. I knew for a fact that the door was not just there a few minutes before, and I had already convinced myself that my childhood memory was nothing more than a bizarre dream. What the hell was going on? There was only one way to find out. After regaining some composure and mustering up a small amount of courage, I walked ever so slowly toward the inexplicable door. My unhurried movements mirrored my hesitant exterior, allowing me to stall for a moment while I gathered some nerve to actually open the damn thing. Despite my slothful motion, I covered the gap in a few seconds, a testament to the basement's small size. The moment of truth was upon me. I took a deep breath, turned the knob, and pushed the door open. This was it. I would finally get to the bottom 
of my aunt's play and my odd memories. The door creaked and revealed the room behind it. Lo and behold, it was none other than the attic, just as I remembered it, window and all. But how? The sunlight came through the window and danced across the room brilliantly, leaving me awestruck. I walked forward to look outside to make sure that this was indeed the attic, and I hadn't gone completely crazy. After peering out the window, that verdict was still up in the air. Two stories below was my aunt's yard. The grass was green as ever, and the sky was clear as day. Everything was so vibrant. I looked over at my aunt's garden, and to my surprise, there was a person there. It was a woman, and she was gardening. Who was that? And why was she in my aunt's garden? She turned around, revealing her face, and to my surprise... It was my aunt. What? How? My aunt was dead. I watched as she was lowered into the earth. Just then, I heard the sound of footsteps from behind me. Startled, I turned around to face the noise. Who are you? A soft voice asked. It was my ten-year-old self standing just twenty feet away from me. I was in such a delirious state by this point that I decided to just go with it and converse with myself. I'm a friend. That's all I could think of to, to say. You're a friend of my aunt's? He asked innocently. I'd forgotten just how curious I was as a child. Yes, a very dear friend. My younger self walked over to look out the window where I was standing. I stepped aside and let him do so. He saw our aunt outside gardening below and waved at her. She didn't notice. Do you have an aunt? he asked. Yes, but she passed away, I said. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Just then, an epiphany struck. Maybe this was the reason I was here. Maybe this was the closure I needed all along. Listen to me. I know it's hard for you to understand right now, but someday your aunt will pass away too. I want you to spend as much time as possible with her and visit her whenever you can. You mean the world to her, and you will regret it if you don't make an effort to be with her now while you still can. Okay, was all he said. That's all he needed to say. After walking around and looking at some of the old stuff in the attic, including some old books that caught his eye, my younger self left the attic to venture back to the basement and shut the door behind him. I looked out the window and noticed that my aunt had finished gardening and was now walking back to the house, this was when my next epiphany struck. I was beginning to remember more of the events from that day. It was all coming back to me. I remember me, as I look now, standing in the attic, the friendly bearded man with glasses. I remembered the conversation we had, and even discussing it with my aunt afterward. My astonishment was interrupted by more footsteps, 
in the next room. This time they were my aunts. I ran over to the door and listened. You can't be down there, she yelled in a worried tone. I wanted to open the door and confront her, just to see her one last time and to tell her that I'm sorry for never visiting. I reached for the knob, but I thought it best not to go out there. She would probably have thought that I was an intruder lurking around her house. As I said before, she wouldn't recognize me all grown up. My apology would have to go unspoken. I could hear her scolding the younger version of me and then bringing me back upstairs. And Instead of listening to find out what happened next, I just remembered. I could recall telling my aunt about the attic door in the basement and the friendly bearded man. She told me that I had quite the imagination and told me to wash up for dinner. Looking back now, I remembered a troubled glint in her eye, especially after divulging what the bearded man told me. She seemed to know more about my experience than she let on. I stood there for a while, taking everything in. Eventually, I decided it was time for me to leave. I grabbed the knob and jiggled it. It wouldn't budge. I turned it a little harder, but to no avail. A wave of terror consumed me. This didn't make any sense. The doors in my aunt's house had no locks. Then again, nothing made sense up until this point either. I backed up a little bit and ran into the door. It remained still. I did this a few more times and even tried breaking the window. Nothing happened. Feeling weary, I sat down and took a breather. This is when I heard a distant echo of footsteps and voices coming from within the house. It was my friend and his girlfriend. I'd almost forgotten about them. I was saved. In a relieved stupor, I called out to them. It became quickly apparent that they could not hear me from wherever I was. I heard them walking around, calling out my name. I increased my volume and started banging on the door. I'm in here, guys! I yelled, not knowing whether I was below or above them. They still couldn't hear me. I began to panic. I started screaming at the top of my lungs and banging as hard as I could on the attic door. I received no response. With a dead voice and pained hands, I gave up. I put my back against the wall and slid down to a sitting position, a few tears streaming down my face. I just sat there and listened as my friend and his girlfriend conversed from within the house. Where could he be? He said he would meet us here at the car, right? If he's not in the house, then where the hell is he? My friend asked his girlfriend. Did you try the basement? she asked. Yes. There's nothing but some old floorboards down there. What about the attic? she asked. I tried there, too. It's just filled with a bunch of old, dusty antiques. We'll have to call the police to have them look for him, too. He must have gotten lost in the woods looking for us. As they made their way out of the cottage, my heart sunk. If they'd already searched the basement and attic, then where was I? I quietly sobbed in the corner for a while before looking through 
some of my aunt's old things. It was all I could do at this point. I didn't care for any of it, save for one treasure of hers that caught my eye. It was a book with a blood-red symbol hand-painted on the front. I'd never seen anything like it before. I opened it up and read the beginning aloud. The spells in this book are to be followed precisely. If even one step is not executed properly, you might endanger yourself and those around you. Use these spells at your own risk. The odd nature of the preface littered my nerves with a sense of worry. Was my aunt a witch? Before turning the page, I noticed an old lace bookmark saving one of the pages. I opened up to it and looked at the chapter heading. Chapter 8. Horticulture. I glanced over at the next page and saw a spell meant to bring your garden to life. The ritual involved lighting some candles and making a circle of some special sand I've never heard of. From within the circle, you are to recite the spell verbatim. My Latin was a little rusty, but from what I could read of the incantation, it said something along the lines of, Bring above that which is below, which I assumed referred to the growing of plants. I gathered that my aunt performed the ritual in the attic, as there were some dormant candles in with her stuff. The inclusion of this book in my aunt's collection now made sense to me. She wanted to spice up her dull garden with a bit of witchcraft. I can say with some confidence that it more than likely backfired. I'm now stuck in this damn place, a place that seems to be the realm of its own. I will more than likely spend an eternity here. I'm growing now to accept my fate. She did warn me, after all. I should have listened. This is my fault, and mine alone. With the endless paper and writing materials here in this old attic, I'm left to do nothing but write down in words what has happened to me, in the hopes that someday someone may come across it, somehow. The words of a living ghost. If you are reading this, please listen to what I have to say. Your time here is not boundless, and at any moment the horrid hand of the unknown could come knocking at your door, there to bereave your loved ones and steal you away from your blissful, ordinary existence. The cause of this sudden upheaval will be death, or in my case, something far worse. Last but not least, if you are ever in this neck of the woods and feel a need to stop in and say hi, go right ahead. I can't promise you you'll get a response. I just want you to remember two things. Your life is fleeting, so spend your time wiser than I did mine. And whatever you do, don't go into the basement. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I hope you enjoyed The Attic in the Basement by author Christopher Maxim. As a reminder, Chris needs our help. Quarantined indefinitely due to his serious health condition and left unemployed and finding it difficult to collect his much-needed benefits, Chris has come to us asking for whatever help we can offer. If you're interested in helping and would like to either donate to Chris directly to thank him for his fantastically fearsome tales or contribute by picking up a copy of one or more of his books on Amazon, visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash Maxim, spelled M-A-X-I-M. You'll find a donation link there, as well as links to his Amazon profile, books for sale, and his social media, as well as a contact form, if you'd like to reach out and talk about other ways to help. Every little bit helps. Thanks again for your support of the writers that make this show possible. Up next... We've got another tale from Mr. Maxim, sure to make your blood run cold. In this one, the spiritual successor to tonight's first story, The Attic in the Basement, will meet a self-professed chronic sleep talker who, in an effort to learn more about what he's been saying at night and why, sets up a recording device. However, he discovers more than just the cause and origin of his condition, when he picks up strange sounds coming from someone or something else. Without further ado, I present to you Voice Recorder. I'm a chronic sleep talker. Always have been. Anyone who's ever slept in the same house as me will tell you that. My parents, siblings, friends, and especially my exes. They're the ones who got an earful. It was something we'd laugh about in the morning because most of what I'd say would be incoherent or nonsensical. Some of my famous lines included, There's too many helicopters in the pool. And, My balloon's on the wrong foot. Never bothered anyone around me. My friends and family pretty much just got a kick out of it. One day at work, though, the subject of sleeping came up. My co-workers threw stories back and forth about some of their wildest dreams. I chimed in with my sleep-talking antics. Everyone laughed as I rattled off some of the 
crazier shit I've said while zonked. One of my co-workers, Bill, really busted a gut. After he finished hyperventilating, he told me that I should set up a voice recorder while I slept so I can play it back at work every morning. Honestly, I didn't think it was a bad idea. That night, I downloaded a decent voice recording app on my phone and placed it on my nightstand before I went to bed. Being single and living alone, I had no way of knowing what I said in my sleep anymore, so I was looking forward to hearing what it would pick up. It would be a humorous way to start my otherwise dull mornings. For two months, I recorded a lot of great stuff. One night in particular, I kept screaming, almost as if I was running from something in my dream. But after a few minutes, I said, Bad fridge. I couldn't stop laughing at that one. Neither could my co-workers when I showed them. Eventually, the app picked up something unsettling. Listening to the audio for any trace of funny banter I might find, I heard a loud bang. It sounded like a door being slammed shut with great force. Hearing that, my heart sank. I wondered if an intruder had made their way into my home. My house is a small cottage on the outskirts of town. I was able to get it at a great price due to its location and age. As such, some of its components are antiquated. I knew after hearing the recording that the only two doors sturdy enough to make that loud of a thud were that of the attic and the basement. Basements and attics, well, they've always freaked me out. Never liked to go near them as a kid, and I still don't as an adult. They kind of terrify me. The ones in my house, even more so. Something about them being old made them all the more sinister. Despite my fear, I had to make sure no one was in the house. I got up out of bed and headed straight for the basement, as that was the door closest to my bedroom. I hesitantly opened the door and descended into my home's depths. I was nervous, but I was desperate for some peace of mind. The basement was empty. I quickly ran back up to the first floor and proceeded to journey upstairs. Once I reached the attic door, I froze. As much as basements made my skin crawl, I find attics to be far worse. Maybe it was because they were always a big unknown to me. I'd only ever been in an attic once in my whole life and that was to help my dad unload some Christmas decorations. Even then, I was spooked. Because of my phobia, I installed a deadbolt on the door when I moved in. Yeah, it sounds foolish, but hey, it helps me sleep at night. Looking at the door, I noticed that the deadbolt was still locked. An intruder could have gone in and then relocked it on the way out, but at least I knew they weren't in there anymore. This was my excuse not to go inside. I went back downstairs and put the noise out of my mind. Forgetting all about the loud bang, I continued to record at night in the hopes of catching more sleep-talking. I did, but it wasn't of the hilarious, absurd variety. The night after I recorded the noise, the only thing I said the whole night was, Where are you? I didn't pay it any mind as I've said similar things in my sleep before. It wasn't until I heard the following night's recording that I became alarmed. I said the same thing. Where are you? Only this time, 
it was followed by a strange static sound. This was odd, but I chalked it up to coincidence and a phone malfunction. I quickly discovered that neither of these things was to blame. Every night after, I got almost the exact same thing. I would ask, where are you? And then I'd get some sort of static interference. I couldn't explain it, and it left me rather frazzled. I showed my co-workers, but they weren't able to offer me any insight. I thought about not recording anymore, but not knowing would make me more uneasy. I wanted to get to the bottom of what was going on. And then, one night, I caught something different. Listening to the audio intently, I heard two distinct things. During a two-minute stretch in the recording, there were footsteps in the background, almost as if someone was pacing. It was very faint, but it was most certainly there. The second thing I heard was me asking the same question. Where are you? Only this time I received a response. It was a low whisper, but I could make out what it said. I'm upstairs. Deeply unnerved by my findings, I set up the app again the next night. I also took the liberty of setting up two digital cameras, one in my room and one facing the attic door. After adjusting the light settings on each, I felt confident in my approach. I didn't have time to deal with this bullshit, so I wanted nothing more than to get it sorted out somehow. Unfortunately for me, it just wasn't that simple. I slept through the night like normal, but I did have a weird dream. In my dream, I was at home. I was sitting on my couch watching TV when I heard a scratching sound coming from upstairs. Naturally, I assumed it was mice, but as I sat there, the noise grew louder and louder. It eventually morphed into a horrendous knocking sound. That's when I got up to investigate. I made my way up to the attic door and the noises ceased. I stood there for a moment, expecting it to start up again, but it didn't. Complete silence for what felt like a few minutes. Then, without warning, a loud clicking sound broke the tension. The deadbolt had unlocked itself, and that's when I woke up to the sound of my alarm going off. I immediately got up and gathered the cameras, as well as my phone. I was eager to see if they'd captured anything. They did, but it only left me with more questions. Halfway through the audio on both my phone and the camera in my room, I heard once again, Where are you? There was no response and no static, but there was a loud bang, just like the one I'd caught before, only more distinct. It was most certainly a door being slammed shut. I quickly grabbed the second camera, and began looking through the footage. The attic door never opened. Instead, I heard the bang in the background ever so faintly. Given the volume in each of the clips, it seemed as though it might have been the basement door. After skimming through the rest of the footage and finding nothing else out of the ordinary, I decided to check the basement again. With a mixture of nerves and adrenaline, I ran over to the basement door and swung it open. I hurried downstairs and turned the lights on. I was fed up and a little annoyed, thinking someone was somehow having a laugh at my expense. However, when the room lit up, 
I was greeted with the familiar sight of an unfurnished basement. It was completely empty. No intruder and no answers. Frustrated, I went off to work and tried to keep my mind off of my odd dilemma. That proved to be a difficult task. I kept playing out different scenarios in my head during the workday, but nothing made sense. The only logical, though somewhat illogical, explanation that I could come up with was that I was being harassed by a spirit. I didn't want to give in to that notion, but I was running out of ideas. I tried to talk to my co-workers again, in the hopes that they would tell me it was nothing to worry about. Instead, I received the opposite. One of my co-workers told me to call the cops and have them look through the house for signs of a break-in. Another told me I should stay at a friend's house. Bill told me to abandon the house and run for the hills. He was only joking, but it didn't make me feel any better about the matter. Things took a turn for the bizarre when I arrived home that day. Opening the front door to the cottage, I stepped in and set my jacket down on the couch. I then plopped down in an attempt to unwind. Immediately after sitting, I heard the bang again. It was clear as day. It was the same sound from the audio and footage, but this time I was hearing it in person. I jumped up and looked straight ahead at the basement door. You could see it from the couch. It had been in my line of sight the entire time. Though I hadn't been looking directly at it, I was fairly certain it hadn't moved. Still, the bang definitely came from that direction. Spooked but curious, I decided to check it out. I walked over cautiously and examined the door. There was no indication that it had been slammed shut. The wood around the door was pristine, and the floor below had not been scraped. I opened it and trotted down the old creaky stairs to investigate the basement for the third time. After reaching the bottom, I turned the light on. I expected to see nothing, just as I had before. While scanning the room left to right, nothing is mostly what I saw. After doing a double take, however, I realized that something was amiss. Off in the center of the far wall was a door. This sent a chill up my spine. My basement had no doors. That I was sure of. I knew this before purchasing the place almost a year ago, when I first took the grand tour. I also didn't see the door when I went down there that morning, or the other day. It didn't make a lick of sense. I walked towards it, bewildered. I wasn't sure of the door's origins, but I knew that it had to be the cause of the sounds I'd been hearing. There was no other explanation. As I approached the impossibility before me, I realized something that made my skin crawl. I recognized the wood, the design, and the deadbolt. It was the attic door. I didn't want to open it for fear of what might be lurking behind. Instead, I ran upstairs and checked to see if the attic door was still there, the actual one. It was, indeed. I then ran back downstairs into the basement, only to find that the door down there had vanished. Had I merely imagined its presence? Thinking I'd gone completely mad, I went back upstairs and sat down on my couch. My mind was running haywire, trying to comprehend things, but 
It eventually gave in to its own weariness. I ended up taking a short nap, and that's when I had another weird dream. This dream was similar to the one I had before. I was sitting on the couch watching TV when I heard a scratching noise. The only difference was it was coming from the basement rather than the attic. It, too, progressed and turned into a voracious knocking that I couldn't ignore. As such, I got up from the couch and went downstairs to put a stop to it. In my dream, the basement was empty, no mysterious door in sight. That and the knocking and scratching ceased upon my entrance. At my wit's end, I went back upstairs. The sound then returned with a vengeance, only this time it was coming from the attic again. I ran up there as fast as I could, but the noise stopped. I waited. Following the narrative of my previous dream, the deadbolt clicked, signaling that the door had unlocked itself. Unlike my previous dream, however, the door opened up a bit and a hand reached out from within. And that's when I woke up. I wrote the first dream off as a byproduct of an overstressed mind, but to have it reoccur... That wasn't ordinary, at least not for me. Between the door in my basement and my strange nightmares, I was a mess. Both perplexed and frightened, I called my friend John. John's an eccentric fellow. He's the kind of guy who believes in UFOs, ghosts, conspiracy theories, the occult, and other things of that nature. Not only does he believe in them, but he studies them. He knows more about Roswell than I do about myself. Being a skeptic, I always thought the massive amount of information he'd retained was borderline useless. I changed my mind about that after seeing my attic door pop up in my basement. If anybody could help, or at least steer me in the right direction, it was him. I spoke with John for a couple of hours. He was ecstatic after hearing about my experience. He began rattling off all of the different things he thought it might indicate. Some of his theories included a wormhole, a gateway to the other side, and even a glitch. One of the many theories that he subscribes to is that the world we live in is a simulation. He told me that he couldn't be completely certain about what it was without seeing it for himself. Unfortunately, he lives too far away to just stop by and visit. Instead of leaving me empty-handed, Sean gave me some advice on what to do next. After telling him about the voice I captured and the dreams I'd been having, he started leaning towards the ghost idea. He thought it might be trying to communicate with me. Because of this, he told me I should set up the voice recorder in the basement and ask the spirit some questions. I could play back the recording afterward and listen for the voice. John said that I should do it in the attic as well. Though weary of his methods... I told him I'd try it out. After all, I couldn't just sit around and expect the situation to resolve itself. I didn't like the idea of going up into the attic by myself, but I needed to do something. After getting off the phone, I immediately put his plan into action. The basement would have to be first, as I was still apprehensive about going upstairs. I set up the app and put my phone on the basement floor, I proceeded to ask questions, leaving enough space in between for someone, 
or something to answer. I asked for normal things like its name, its age, and what it wanted. After roughly five minutes of interrogation, I stopped the recording and played it back. I must have listened to my own voice a million times, hoping for anything audible to present itself. To my dismay, I caught nothing of the sort. It seemed as though the attic would indeed have to be my next venture. I reluctantly climbed the stairs up to the attic door. I looked at it for a few moments, took a deep breath, and unlocked the deadbolt. I opened the door and braced myself. There's nothing there, save for the previous owner's belongings. When I first purchased the house, I had to do a little bit of renovating, so to speak. The owner before me had no cable, electricity, or proper plumbing. On top of that, they left uh, all their stuff behind. I had most of it removed, but left everything that was in the attic. I had no need for the space, and I didn't want to put any more money into emptying the house than I had to. I perused through the attic's wares for a bit, curious as to what it was that I technically owned. Some of the interesting items that stood out to me were an old postcard from Paris, a strange-looking dog collar, and a book on witchcraft. The fear sat in while going through the contents of my new collection. The angled ceiling, antiques, and large window overlooking my yard did give the place a dose of charm, but I still didn't like attics. I quickly hit the record button on the app and set my phone on the floor. I asked the same questions as before, but didn't leave as much space in between as I really wanted to get the hell out of there. Before stopping the recording, I had a thought. Perhaps the spirit would respond if I asked it the same question that I did in my sleep. I cleared my throat and asked, Where are you? After asking the final question, I stopped the recording and played it back. It sounded almost identical to the one I recorded in the basement, complete with a lack of answers. That is, until the very end. After I asked the last question, I heard a familiar low whisper. Behind you. After hearing this, I immediately turned around. There was nothing there. Despite this, I hightailed it downstairs. That eerie voice reinforced my phobia of addicts and instilled in me an indescribable dread. I could no longer bear to be in that house by myself. I called John again and begged him to help me out. I told him I'd give him the gas money for the eight-hour round trip. He was reluctant at first, knowing that he'd have to spend the night and call out from work the next morning. Curiosity got the best of him in the end. After much deliberation, he agreed to come over. I waited for John in my car. While sitting there, I couldn't help but examine my house. I began asking myself questions, like, is it really haunted? Do ghosts really exist? And my favorite, is this what my life has come to? Though the questions were speculative and rhetorical, I pretty much knew the answers. As I gazed toward the house in disappointment, I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. It was a silhouette standing at the attic window. Holy shit. What the fuck? What do I do? Those were the only retorts 
that crossed my mind after seeing the shadowy figure. After a few moments of staring, the figure stepped back from the window completely out of sight. I sat and pondered about it for a few minutes after its departure. In a moment of bravery, I chose to go back in the house and up to the attic. Crazy, I know, but it's my house. And I needed to show this thing that I wasn't interested in playing its games, even if I was scared shitless. Besides, John would have my head if I didn't follow the damn thing. Feeling confident but still shaky, I ventured up into the attic. I swung the door open without hesitation and waltzed in like I owned the place. After all, I did. The attic was void of any ghostly figures, but it did harbor the faint scent of candle wax. Unsure of how to proceed, I started talking in a loud and firm tone. This isn't your house. I'm tired of your bullshit game, spirit. I demand that you leave at once. I knew this wasn't going to work, but it was almost cathartic. It felt a hell of a lot better fighting back. I walked around the attic, satisfied with my rant, thinking that I'd actually conquered my fear. My smug demeanor wouldn't last more than a few moments. Soon after I spoke, a gust of wind blew through the attic and hit me like a bus, nearly knocked me over. I knew it was the ghost's doing. I tried to stand my ground, but I was pretty damn frightened. I watched as everything around me flew about, creating a tornado of mementos and keepsakes. I was about to retreat when I noticed something that hadn't budged an inch. It was the book on witchcraft that I'd seen before. Upon noticing it, the wind inexplicably stopped and everything fell to the floor. I walked over to the book, curious as to why it remained stationary. As I did, it opened up on its own. It was startling, but I somehow sensed no malice. I was coming around to the fact that the ghost might really be trying to communicate with me. The page the book landed on was a spell. The whole thing was in Latin, but from what I could make out, it had something to do with growing plants. Confused, I reached out to the ghost for help. What do you want me to do? After asking the question, the attic door slammed shut. I thought for a moment and gathered that it wanted me to recite the spell in the attic. I was still confused, but somehow calm. I felt as though I was helping the spirit in some way. Before I could read the book, my phone went off. It was a text from John. So, so sorry. I can't make it out there. My boss won't give me the day off tomorrow, and I'm not sure my car will make it there and back. It desperately needs new tires, and I won't be able to buy those until Friday. Give me a call back then, and I'll see what I can do. Good luck. Fuck. Even though I wasn't freaking out anymore, it was nice knowing that someone was on their way to my house, just in case things went sour. I didn't like it, but I was on my own. I accepted this and turned my attention back to the book. It was time to deliver the spell. I cleared my throat and began reciting the text in the book. I took Latin in college, and although I didn't retain all the information, I knew enough to make the proper pronunciations. 
still I stumbled over my words during certain parts. Because of this, I had to restart a couple of times. Wanted to get it right, especially if it was truly what the ghost wanted. After finishing the spell flawlessly, for the most part, the attic door opened. I walked out with the book in hand, wondering if everything was over. When I reached the bottom step and turned around the corner, it became quickly apparent that it wasn't. The basement door was wide open. I was in uncharted territory, taking orders from a ghost, but I hoped I was following along all right. Seeing the basement door ajar convinced me that I probably needed to recite the spell down there as well. I still wasn't sure why, but it felt like this was the spirit's will. As such, I obliged. I walked down into the basement with the book and turned the light on. A quick glance around revealed that I was alone and that there was no door. I cleared my throat once again and began reciting the spell word for word. Honestly, I was a little excited. I felt like I was doing something productive about my ghost problem and that it might actually help put it to rest. This time, I got it right on my first try. Upon finishing the spell in the basement, the house began shaking. When I say the house, I mean the whole house, basement and all. I'd never experienced an earthquake before, but it seemed like the only logical explanation for what was happening. It wasn't until I looked around the room during the madness that I realized it was the spells doing. There on the far wall, shaking with the rest of the house, was the attic door. I wondered if the spell had somehow summoned it, simultaneously causing the house to wobble. The tremor eventually stopped and I was left with the door lending credence to my theory. I waited for a few minutes, thinking the door would open, but it did not. It seemed that I would have to do that myself. I wasn't too happy about it, but I'd come too far to back out now. I gathered my wits and walked over to the door. I proceeded to swing it open without fear, just as I had upstairs. Behind the door was a surprise. It was the attic. The attic upstairs. Everything was the same, only there was a man standing at the window. Hearing me open the door, he turned around. His eyes widened when he saw me. He ran so fast in my direction that I didn't even have enough time to take more than a single step back. He rushed through the doorway and into the basement. He turned back around and slammed the attic door shut, making sure to lock the deadbolt. He turned to me, grabbed my shoulders, and looked me dead in the eye. I was baffled and scared for my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. After expressing his thanks, the man let go of me and ran upstairs, but not before turning back around and offering me some advice. Whatever you do, don't go in there. He gestured toward the attic door before bolting upstairs. I ran after him, wanting to ask some questions, but when I got upstairs, it was already too late. My front door was open and I could see him running down the dirt road toward town. And that was that. I have slept every night since then with no noises or paranormal issues whatsoever. 
I even set up the cameras and voice recorder a few times to make sure. Didn't catch a damn thing. I don't know what the hell happened, but I am sure of one thing. The man that came out from behind the attic door was no ghost. It was a living, breathing person. I hope you enjoyed Voice Recorder by author Christopher Maxim. I'd like to personally thank you for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. Also, as a reminder, tonight's featured author, Christopher Maxim, who generously contributed all four of this episode's tales, needs our help. Immunocompromised due to a high-risk health condition and quarantined indefinitely, having difficulty paying bills, and getting the help he needs to improve his health, Chris would appreciate any assistance you can offer, whether that be buying copies of his books or donating directly to him to thank him for his work crafting the tales you've heard tonight. Even a one-time donation makes a huge difference. If you're interested in helping, please visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash maxim, spelled M-A-X-I-M, where you'll find links to Chris's donation page, social media, and Amazon profile, with several of his amazing collections of tales and short stories available. Thanks again for your support of the writers that helped make this show possible. It means a lot to both of us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs. Or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Gyrie channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Just search for Otis Gyrie. Until next week, Stay spooky and get some sleep if you can. <laughs>
Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jiry channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today 
or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.